ever since he was a kid. Hand over the milk money. I'm afraid I can't do that, Derek. I'm just not sure you'll spend it on milk. Mitch was only good at one thing. You are the king of revenge. Now he's making it a business. That was really funny, sticking the cops on us like that. I thought it was funny, but I'm surprised you guys did. So if you need revenge... Let us do your dirty work. Call the professionals. They'll give you the shirt off their back. Ah! Dirty work. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, June 12th. Welcome back to this solemn podcast episode of Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your co-host, Angela Yoshiko, here with Tyler Wilson. Hello. Today is a sad episode where we are here to talk about honor, laugh, enjoy, remember Norm MacDonald. Yeah. Uh, well, technically our episode is on dirty work, but yes. we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Norm MacDonald was, I well, I think there was a lot of great pieces that were written about and celebrities talking about him this week that was um, nice to hear but uh, uh, this is uh, this is like a big one for me this is like uh, my uh, I don't know like in terms of like Mount Rushmore of like favorite celebrities uh, Norm MacDonald's on there so it's been a tar- odd surprisingly kind of a tough week for me I don't know what that's about usually I do not care when celebrities die even ones that I like wow cold. I don't I don't not care I just you know it doesn't really like affect me okay well, whereas I'm actually awkward. like genuinely sad about this. Yeah. yeah. So today we're going to talk about dirty work. We're yeah. going to talk about Norm Macdonald. Yeah. Well, we're going to go through our. Uh, you and I have a, a history with Norm, so we're going to talk about that. Yeah, a history. A history. Dun, dun. Well, not like a like <laughs> not like a real history. Like we don't know him, but you know. <laughs> yep. So that's what's happening today. Before we talk about all of that, Tyler, what have you been watching well, this week? Not much. You know, I was watching a lot of Norm Macdonald clips, so I didn't watch a lot of, like, movies. Yeah. I did watch, uh, this is kind of a tie-in, because I remember when he did, hosted SNL, Norm Macdonald did a Clint Eastwood impression skit, mm-hmm. and there you go, I'm tying it in, see what I did there? Yeah, nice time. Anyway, I watched uh, Cry Macho, that's Clint Eastwood's new movie that's uh, in theaters on HBO Max. It is... Fine. I don't know. It was. It's kind of this neo western. It's set in like the late seventies. He's an old rodeo guy, uh, retired. He's got a lot of you know demons in his life. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of pain, both physical and emotional. And uh, his old boss comes and gets him, and he tells him, "Hey, I got a kid down in Mexico. I need you to go down and get him." And so he drives down to Mexico, and he's going to get this kid. And it's a movie about Clint Eastwood. And this thirteen-year-old kid, and the and this kid's uh, rooster, cockfighting rooster, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's fine. I don't. It, it looks like it's you know it's he directed it too. It looks kind of like you know it's got that those western motifs to it, even though it's kind of like a more of a modern. You know, it's set in like the seventies. Um, so it has a lot of like it has a good look about it, but I don't know. Like I felt like it was. It was a lot of scenes between him and this kid, and I just felt like they it was all undercooked. Like, this relationship wasn't convincing. The kid character is not... Neither character is written very well or has much to them. And then their interactions are weak. It, it kind of... I think I said this to you. Like, Clint Eastwood is known for his, like... Quick filming. Films things mm-hmm. fast, efficiently. He takes one or two takes, tells people to move on. There's a great interview with Matt Damon... He did, like, his career GQ thing or whatever, and he talked a little bit about making Invictus with Clint Eastwood, and it was very positive, but he said, like, he would do a scene, and then he's like, oh, Clint, can I get can I get one more? I want to do that one more time. And he's like, 
Well, sure you can if you want to waste everybody's time. <laughs> and you know, so he just doesn't like doing multiple takes. And I don't know. I think in a lot of ways that's great. Works great when you have good actors. Him being 91, directing himself with this kid who needed, I don't know, like maybe do a few more takes. Because I just felt like it wasn't a very convincing relationship. I didn't think the performances were very good. He, Clint was just kind of there. I don't know. Like it just to me seemed like maybe a little bit more attention might have been good. Maybe a few more takes with this kid. Has he had much experience directing kids before? I'm sure he has. I mean, he's made, God, he just keeps making movies. It's impressive. He's 91. He made this during the pandemic. Uh, You know, he just never stops, this guy. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he made movies with a monkey. Remember when he had those monkeys? I'm just thinking like there are some (laughs) directors who seem to have a couple good movies where they really pull it out of a kid and I don't I can't think of any of his I just think Clint Eastwood is very much like you know regardless of his personal opinions on things or anything like that his movies are very much just like they're about as good as the script is always Mm -hmm. like he can make it pretty efficiently and usually gets good actors and that's usually fine this is just him and you know Dwight Yoakam shows up for a little bit but it's mostly this him and this kid and I don't know, like this. I don't know. I just didn't feel like it's based on a book that's I think well liked, but and I think the screen the author is one of the screenwriters, but to me it was just a, a meandering. You know, they're they're getting chased. You know, they're trying to get out of Mexico. There's complications, mm-hmm. and I just feel like they're stopping at every town. And they're like, well, let's just mosey around, and see what's going on in this town. It's like maybe just like fill up the gas tank and get moving. Get fucking going. But guys. then there'd be no movie, so you know, there's that. Hmm. That's it, Cry Macho. I wouldn't really recommend it. It was fine. Okay. <laughs> That's all I've watched. It seems like Cry Macho would be a movie that, like, addresses um, toxic masculinity. It, it, okay, so the the rooster's name is Macho, and the Cry kid macho. Okay. brags about how tough and fearless the rooster is in the ring, and the movie does try to tie that into, like, a larger theme that I feel falls flat. Okay. Yeah. Enough said. Yeah. So, yes, it is kind of about that, but not really. Okay. Yeah. I have been watching things. Mm. After I finished Out of the Badlands, Into the Badlands. Into the Badlands. Yeah. After I finished that. You watched it. I've never seen it. I know the name of it, at least. um, Netflix has been telling me to watch Lucifer, and I was like, yeah, I've already watched all this. But I didn't realize that they did release more episodes and a series finale. Final season kind of deal. Yeah. So I watched that, and it was good. That's all I have to say. So I asked you good comments. Well, I asked you what was going on in that show. I was like, "Oh, is Lucifer gonna die? Can Lucifer die?" And you were like, "No, he's like basically God now." And I'm like, "What?" Well, okay. So, but then he decided not to be God, but then he couldn't be. With Spoiler Claire. alert for the end of Lucifer. Who's Claire? Claire from Lost. Claire's the main character. Claire of the whole from Lost. Show. No. No, I feel like Lucifer is the main character of the whole show. Unless, oh, is she a Lucifer? No, but she's like, his, she's the counterpart. Does she got little <laughs> horns too? Stop it. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was nice because they knew it was going to be the finale. Yeah. Fans, there's a lot of fans of Lucifer. And, Are they? Um, yeah, I think that's why the show Yeah, I got, got another, well, it was on a network and they got canceled and Netflix picked it up. Yeah. So, yeah, they and saved it, it. Yeah, and I think that it's been... Yeah, anyway, it's been almost canceled several times. Yeah. Um, but they did that thing where they like take the characters all the way through to the end, give you a nice closure, so that's nice. So, had a nice satisfying ending. Did no cliffhangers. Car- did he carve his horns off? 
No, he found... I, mean, I don't want to spoil it. You said I can't spoil it. Does he have horns to cor- carve off? Um, or is it going to just pop into his head? He doesn't have head? horns. He's got a demon face, though. A devil face. Doesn't have horns? Not like not like the big swirly ones you're imagining. No. What kind of show is this? Oh, he's an angel. Yeah. A fallen angel. Horns. <laughs> this one does involve time travel. Oh, okay. And like a, a someone visits him from the future... So that was very timely because we just watched Back to the Future and just had our last episode, which was a... Uh, well, Back to the Time Cop Future was Back the Back to the Time Cop Future. So that I was, was like, time oh, cop. man, this is more time traveling and, and yeah. So. Did anybody occupy the same space at the same time? Well, so there was a moment they where touch? a character oh, no. um, saw, like, their mother pregnant with them. And I was like, whoa, you better not touch. Oh, Yeah. Melting could happen. The melting anyway. could happen. Anyway. CGI cartoon melting could happen. Anyway, if yeah. uh, you didn't know that Lucifer has finally ended and you watch it, you should go watch it. That's all. That's all I got. Okay, that's all you watch too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch much. I Well, I was watching Lady in the Water because I've been rewatching some of these old M. Night Shyamalan movies, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't, and I was like, oh, I, I didn't finish it because I watched it late at night. And then I, I told you all oh, I'll talk about it next time, but I don't think I'm, I'm not even finish it. Like, that's the really what? the one that's just so, like, boring and not really entertaining. Conceptually, the trailer, you watch the trailer and you're like, okay, this is, this could be a good movie. It's oddly a movie that kind of blows its load in 15 yeah. minutes. Yep. It's like, oh, that's the premise, and then you just realize, oh, this movie has nothing else to do. Okay. And we're done. Should have just been like a short. And M. Night Shyamalan is like, really like the third build actor in the movie. Not good. And he's playing a writer who's going to write like this great piece of art that's going to save the world. Like, this was during this period where he was really like. He's like, I'm fucking Big swinging. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it's not. But it's mostly just kind of, it's just dull, and it's not. Not enjoyable, despite like an otherwise good cast, Bryce Dallas Howard and Paul Giamatti and yeah. Jeffrey Wright's in there, Bob Balaban. But yeah, it's just uh, it's silliness, but not just not I... particularly entertaining. I don't know. I, I only had like thirty minutes. Oh god, there's thirty minutes. It seems like it should have been over by now, but I oh haven't. God, uh, you're so I don't funny. Know. It's on. I think it's either on HBO Max or I don't even know what channel it was on. Probably HBO Max. Or yeah, that's like a Warner Brothers movie. So yeah, that's okay. what I watched. You're, you're bouncing around a lot there bud what do you mean you're like i don't know what i don't know what i watched it on okay okay so we're gonna talk about dirty work in a little bit but um so we're doing this about norm because at least me specifically i have a lot of uh my life was uh my comedy like when i first got into comedy when i first got into movies it was all tied together right and um it was like uh, I think my uh, I was I was trying what I'm trying to say is like I was very uh, imprinted uh, by two people in like comedy and that was David Letterman and, and Norm Macdonald right I would watch I remember actually watching like when I was really young like someone had Jay Leno on and I because I was a kid and thought I was supposed to like it mm-hmm. I was like yeah this is funny and then I think the second I saw David Letterman. I was like, oh, I hate Jay Leno. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. it's just like I knew that that was not like, oh, I, I, there's another choice. of I, I can like a late night comedy thing and be excited about that. And it's not that I wanted to be like a comedian or anything. I, I definitely did not ever have that in, aspiration in life. But uh, watching the late show with David Letterman and then seeing Norm MacDonald on Weekend Update on SNL 
were kind of like these uh, moments for me that was just like, oh, okay, this is what really makes me laugh. This is really kind of like how my brain operates or how I want my brain to operate. And so it was just like a thing that really, like, I, I mean, I would, I would just watch this stuff all the time. And this was at a time when we were in like middle of high school. You can't just watch this stuff like on fast internet. We would get internet in the, in our high school years, right? Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, slow. Yeah, yeah you had to watch like, stuff on TV. Yeah, they didn't, even when we had the internet, they weren't like streaming TV shows at that point. Yeah. And so. <laughs> oh, that makes me think, like, we were born, we were born before Google. So. Yeah. And um, I feel like I really only started watching, like, I think it was on, like, reruns on cable. But I only think I was watching, like, an actual, like, full, like, I would watch it on Saturday night. Like, during Norm MacDonald's last year when he got fired from uh, Saturday Night Live for doing all the OJ jokes, right? And so I was, like, really, like, as, I don't know how old I was, 1998 or? I feel like OJ was when we were in, like, fifth grade. Well, okay, so, I know, but it's, like, the timeline of him leaving was like 97 I feel like maybe that was the season he left if you put up his pull up his age year range of when he was on SNL I was trying to oh okay but yeah no he but I, whatever that season was the season he got like fired and was removed from the show was the season I was watching and, it, and at that point I had been watching you know, cable old episodes of SNL, and I was just like, Norm was the guy, right? I loved that part of the show. And not so much I cared about OJ, but I just liked all that stuff. And so that was when the whole thing went down, and I would just remember being so, like, enraged by all of this and just being so upset and then, like, hating Colin Quinn, who came on after. And in hindsight, like, Colin Quinn is not a bad comedian in any way. It's just that it was not Norm MacDonald. He almost had an impossible job of replacing him, right? Um, did you ever find out the date? It's, you know, everything is popping up with all the stuff. Oh, because so there's a lot of stuff going yeah, on Yeah, right so now. it's a lot harder to find than normal. Yeah, for sure. He had the Norm show from 99 to 2000. That's when the sitcom started, right? So, okay, so, but I know from his In monologue. three, he was hired on SNL. It doesn't, I just want to know the years he was on. He was on Weekend for five Update. years, but he didn't do S, um, Weekend Update right away. He did it a little bit in. Um, he... 99 his sitcom comes on but he went, came back and hosted SNL a year and a half after he was fired so that was like 99 so it must have been 97 ish when he got fired from the show that sounds probably right right people who are you know Norm Macdonald fans are probably furious at us for not yeah, getting this information a fan? He, he just started he 94 to 98 he was on weekend update yeah okay so yeah so he was fired like mid season. It was like a mid. It was the middle part of the season when he was fired, and he didn't even leave the show right away. Like he was just removed from Weekend Update, and then he was still in the cast, and he popped up in like a skit or two before finally just leaving. And then I remember him going on Letterman and talking about all this thing and how Letterman just like was openly hostile about what was going on. It was really funny, um, just like getting on this. Uh, this uh, this tangent about how awful it was that Don Olmeyer was OJ's friend and that was why he got fired, right? And I remember that, and that and that ties into um, you know a lot of these rem- remembrances of Norm Macdonald have been going on and on. And Conan O'Brien did a whole episode of his podcast, kind of talking about Norm. And in that, he Conan, Conan you know, he, one of the most famous things that Norm Macdonald did was the you know the chairman of the board, uh, Courtney Thorne Smith Smith interview on uh, Conan's show, right? And Anyway, like when he got fired from NBC, Conan was on NBC late night, and 
Conan was told by Don Olmeyer not to book Norm Macdonald anymore. Mm-hmm. And, like, Conan had to write a letter being like, well, this feels wrong. You know, we, we like Norm here. He's a great guest. He's, like, one of our best guests, blah, blah, blah. And that was hard for Conan because, like, Don Olmeyer actually, like, hired Conan O'Brien and, like, believed in Conan O'Brien to start this show. So it was, like, this huge thing that he had to um, kind of stand up to this, you know, this this guy that started his, you know, really jump-started his career or whatever. So anyway, I just remember being so um, furious about this, but then so excited when, um, you know, he got picked up and he got a sitcom on ABC that switched over. And so that's kind of when I, you know, I didn't know you at the time, but you, I would watch, I was so excited when the Norm sitcom, first it was called The Norm Show, then it was just Norm. Mm -hmm. That came on. I was so excited about that. I watched it every week. And then when I learned about, we did not meet until 2002. Yep. But uh, one of the first things we probably talked about, because I would always be like, oh, I'm like, I love Norm MacDonald. Mm-hmm. And what was odd for you was that you would always tell me, like, yeah, I guess he was on SNL. You didn't really, like, have much no, knowledge watched, of that. My parents and I watched the Norm show. That's what I'm saying. I was yeah. saying, like, you didn't, your your um, um, memory of that was not him on Weekend Update. No, I didn't watch SNL in, like, high school. I was too busy being a high schooler. Okay, but no... <laughs> That's well, like no, it would have been middle school. school, yeah. Why were you watching... Because I really liked it. And so Tyler I... Wilson. What? SNL's, like, late at night. Yeah. Well, it was, like, 97, 98. I was good at being you a freshman in like high school. You were, like, 7th and 8th grade. Yeah. Sure, why not? That's a lot, a lot of people start listening to that kind of stuff. Ah. You know what? I probably never liked SNL from the beginning. <laughs> you don't really like it now. I don't like skit comedy. <laughs> I probably could have. You don't really like it now. But That's no, I funny. had like a bedtime. Your parents were just like this free-range parenting with you. And you do whatever <laughs> you want. parenting. Yeah, my parents were strict. No, but what was funny was that, I, yeah. you know, at, at this point when we met, the Norm McDonald sitcom is over, right? Mm-hmm. It's only It only lasted three seasons, um, which we can talk about in a minute, but... Um, that was like the entry point. It's like, oh yeah, my parent, we would watch yeah. that every week. We love the Norm McDonald yeah. sitcom. There are a few shows that I can recall yeah. that like we consistently watched. Uh The Simpsons. Right. The Norm Show. That's so uh, weird. Dinosaurs. Seinfeld, <laughs> Dinosaurs. obviously. Frasier. Yeah, Frasier, huh? Oh, yeah. I know. Frasier. <laughs> I I like look back Frasier's on Frasier's fine, like, but That's, you know. It's fine. But you're but, like those are like the four that I could easily tell you. But you're I mean your parents see me never screamed like sitcom watchers anyway. You know not, what I mean? I mean, Seinfeld. Yeah, but everybody watched Seinfeld. I mean, the thing about the Norm Macdonald sitcom was that it was not like popular. The Simpsons. The Simpsons very popular. Like Norm Macdonald's show was, was, was moderately successful in its first season and because it what moved it, around. Like, what did it go against? When was it on? It was on all the time because I remember they, every year they would change its time slot. First of all, it aired after the Drew Carey show at first season. Drew Carey oh, show was a Drew big show. Drew Carey show we was did. a big hit uh, at the time, and so it was a great lead in, and it was the same producing team that made Drew Carey, and so I, I mean Drew Carey even even appears in an episode of the Norm Show. Yeah. Um. So then the first season it's got good ratings, and like the second year is when they start really fucking with its time slot. It's mm-hmm. jumping all over the place. It's away from Drew Carey. Mm-hmm. It's leading off at like eight o'clock versus mm-hmm. being on later, which is you know clearly more of an adult, yeah. older person yeah, yeah, show. Yeah. And then, it, and then on the third season, I remember, and this is the thing that I, because you said you always watched it, because I, I, the third year was like 2001. 2000 to 2001, October to April, yeah. And this was the time when I, um, you know, we were in high school, and they moved to Friday nights, and Friday nights is kind of like, now, for most high school kids, Friday night's a big night for you to go do stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Me, I wasn't exactly like a kid that would go do stuff, like, so, so to speak, but it was Friday night was like when movie, new movies came out. And I would go do that with my friends. And mm-hmm. then there was a point where 
I didn't want to ever go to the uh, high school football games, but I I was in like DECA. And yeah. we, I had to work some of those uh, games, right? Yeah. And I was so pissed off because uh, they were. It was on against the show I wanted to watch. It's the only thing I cared about watching every week, right? And it was on Friday night, terrible night. And I remember also there was a there was like a home. I had to work the homecoming game for the football game, and then mm-hmm. there was a dance. I was like, oh, we're gonna go to the dance or whatever. And I was like, oh, I mean, what time is it? And I was like. Oh, it's not. What time is it? Not. I can get home. I can watch. Uh, I can watch that Norm Macdonald sitcom. Yeah. So I would do that instead of like, going to a dance because that's just who I was. Um, they bumped the time a bunch. All the time, and so then they screwed like it over. Episode. It was like episode one was Wednesday at nine thirty. Mm-hmm. Episode two through eleven was Friday at nine, and then Friday at nine thirty, and then Friday at eight thirty for the last ten episodes. Yeah, it was most. I mean, the first season was mostly on Wednesday, but it was a shorter season. Yeah, and that's then what, I meant the third season. Yeah, and so the third season was on Fridays, and it was just um, no, and it. <laughs> yeah, so it was frustrating because they didn't. And when you think about it. When you think about Norm McDonald, he doesn't seem like a sitcom um, person. But that's yeah. kind of why it was funny. Like, mm-hmm. he was never a good actor. We'll talk about that when we talk about Dirty Work. Um, but when it came to the show, like, they just clearly, like, built a show around him. Yeah. They hired Laurie Metcalf, who's an amazing actress, to kind of be, like, the second lead. And then the other, like, uh, Ian Gomez is, like, the third lead uh the dad from Elf, a great comic foil actor. Um, Artie Lang would come back, come over and do stuff with him too. Like they, it was a really smart way that they like kind of covered him, right? Plus the dog, the dog, Wiener Dog, Wiener Dog had to come up because that's based on like a joke that he would tell yeah. about Wiener Dogs. Yeah, and that was a yeah. big deal. Had to get the Wiener Dog jokes in, yeah. right? Um, so it was a big deal to to me. Now, when we, the reason again we're doing this is because it's hard to. Um, over, I don't know, understate. Oh, I don't know what I mean. Like this was, I would. This was who I was for a long time. Like when I was in high school, like people. I mean, people would just. We would do like skits for like our school things. You definitely modeled a lot of your comedic personality. Yeah, from his style. Because I got it, and I and I could do it. Right, mm-hmm. I could do the voice. I and could you do. It. Yeah, and I could do the things. And and the the good thing about it when you're a kid in high school. Is that, I mean, people love Adam Sandler, especially during that time. You know, we love those movies too. But like, Norm MacDonald was a little bit niche. It mm-hmm. was a little bit like most kids were like, you're doing that guy, but I don't know anything about that. So it's kind of novel. You get t- attention for it, right? Mm-hmm. So it was something I could do. It was something that I really things. I was a, 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 a early adopter of uh, Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> My Gmail account is a Norm MacDonald related Gmail account. Uh-huh. I'm not going to say it because then, you know, people will email me. <laughs> Can they guess what it is? And to the point where nowadays, as a 37-year-old man, when I give out my email address, they're just like, why is that your email address? (laughs) And then then they see this. They say, wait, you got a Gmail right away, and you could have had anything. Why didn't you just pick your name? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Like, I could have probably had Tyler at gmail.com. That's how early it was, right? Yeah. Um, And I didn't. I went with a norm thing. So... (laughs) I wonder what your Yahoo. I didn't have a Yahoo was. account. Was we had an AOL internet? I wonder so what I had, your AOL email. Well, address that was, was my parents' email address. I think it was just some number. I wonder what your Yahoo username was. I don't know. I don't know. Were who you used... not on Yahoo? We. I had did Messenger. Did you not do Yahoo Chat? No, I didn't do Yahoo Chat. I, know. I did. Uh, you told I did me. Messenger. And... You know, as an old millennial, you yeah. really missed out on a category of our growing up there. All my then. friends and stuff had Messenger. So yeah, but how were you to chat with strangers? There was Messenger. You could do that. Really? And you could go to a chat room. AOL chat rooms had that, too. Okay. 
Yeah, so that Most was the thing. I needed something a little more anonymous. AOL chat room, you could be totally anonymous in those. Yeah, I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. And you're just like a, you're like a kid. Okay. You're like, I'm looking for sex stuff. So and then it's like 50-year-old yeah. men are like, yeah, underage kid. I, I watched a funny video recently that was like, <laughs> yeah, if you grew up on AOL chat, Yahoo chat, nobody was any, nobody was who they said Well, they, they were, were probably all like 12-year-olds, right? Everyone <laughs> was just wanting to have like cyber sex with each other. Which I don't know, what, yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh my God, so bad, so terrible. And this is before a time where you could like, I mean... See the like the version of like cyber sex now is just like it's all you could watch people just, just having sex, right? Just, like, but back in the day, it was just like unbuckling my pants, <laughs> like people were what describing what they're doing. What do you look like? Yeah. How tall are you? Yeah, it was all just like you had to like get details, <laughs> oh, and pathetic. you just tr- believed the, what they'd say to you. Like, <laughs> I mean, not that I know. I'm just speaking completely, right? You know, hypothetically. <laughs> I heard my friends were doing things like that. So, you know, I, this was a big, um, and, and I just, it was a, um, for a lot of time it was a, it was a comfort. It was, especially in high school when I was, I didn't realize at the time I had a, clearly I had a, just a crippling anxiety disorder Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I did not learn about like officially for, for several more years. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, that would show itself in other ways in high school not knowing about that and i tell you what always made me feel good and better was watching the late show with david letterman watching norm mcdonald things whatever i could find i mean i would tape i mean i taped this is what i did mm-hmm. when the norm sitcom was on i videotaped it vhs oh, it yeah. and would watch it over and over again i had the whole pretty much i mean i think i had all of the episodes on every single one Maybe missing one or two um, on like five or six Hell VHS yeah, with tapes. all those commercials too. Baby. Oh, and I'd fast forward through those, and um, and then I, I would even record because I think it was like the E Channel at the time. Maybe would run SNLs from that time because you mm. know Will Ferrell was breaking up, breaking out, and that cast, and so a lot of those kind of bleed into early you know, late Norm stuff, and so you could watch those, and I would try to record those as much as can, rewatch all that. Um, the internet comes around and, you know, you can download a video and you could let it sit there for 20 minutes and then you could watch the Norm MacDonald like thing. when? were you downloading videos? Not downloading. I mean, we, they were, I mean, when we were in high school, later part of high school, we had that ability. Like, you could watch. Like, YouTube? Y- yes. Things weren't on YouTube yet. It was something. I mean, you could find this stuff. Yeah. Um, it was a lot harder in those, it was a lot in harder. those early years. <laughs> it was a lot harder. I mean, mostly I just had my VHS t- tapes of what I liked. Yeah. And then I remember when he... Well, a couple things. So, one thing was that he, I, we, as many people at that time, we got hooked on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and they did like the celebrity version, mm-hmm. and I was so excited, like the first batch of celebrity ones, because Norm Macdonald was on the network at the time. Mm-hmm. He was part of this batch, and he's just in the background this whole time. He's horrible at the speedy, mm-hmm. the beginning thing. It's you can't do the the the, the fast thing. Put these things in order. And everybody would just make fun of how slow his numbers mm-hmm. were, right? To the point where he was the last one yep. of all the 10 or 12 celebrities that were there. And they're just making fun of him. And Do then, you remember what the fast finger question was for him? Oh, yeah. Put the letters in order of your name. Put the following letters in order to spell a yeah. popular man's name. Yeah. And, and so the letters were N-O... Oh, it's in order, too. Uh, yeah, in order. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then, you know, you think that they're just dunking on him, right? Yeah. And he... But then the great thing about this is that he gets up there, and so the thing about celebrity um, who wants to be the manager is that you get the crowd helping you, um, 
in during the before you get to thirty two thousand dollars because they wanted everybody to give thirty two thousand dollars for their charity, right? Mm-hmm. So like Joy Behar and somebody else stayed around for him, and then but no he and the thing about it is is like he didn't need anybody's help. He kept just getting through that. At one point he goes like. Yeah, I think it's B. He's like, don't you? Are you sure? He's like, I don't know. Nobody's helping me, and he's just like <laughs> yelling at them to do this thing to help him. And then you know he gets to thirty two thousand. He got to get quiet. And then, for goddamn sake, he just continues to know to know these answers. And like, and he gets all the way to the million dollar question. He thinks he knows the answer. He burns all of his lifelines. Mm-hmm. But he know he he keeps saying that he thinks it's this. I had this feeling. And then I mean, I watched this live. I videotaped it. He gets talked out of it by Regis Philbin. He says, like, are you sure it's a lot of money that you want to do that? And then he's like, well, what are you, you're giving me that look. You're looking at me like I'm not yeah. supposed to do what's going I, on. I'm reading the, like, millionaire fandom, and yeah. it's like, throughout the show, like, you can tell that Norm thinks Regis knows the answer. Right. So he's trying to read Regis like a game of poker. Right, like, yes. Is Which... it? Is it that? Right. So then at the end, he totally panics, like, well, you're kind of telling me not to right. pick it. Because right. you must know the answer. Right. And so he was – that's how he ultimately decides to walk away with $500,000 even though he knew the answer. Mm-hmm. And he was mad, like visibly mad. And then I also remember watching Regis the next day on his show and he talked about – like, Norm's weird. Like he's just <laughs> like – he was just – he thought I was – knew the answers. I don't know the answers. <laughs> and – um and he's just like, and he he was like he was upset because he thought like I I had it I could have won a million dollars and he did, he would have if he had just uh, not been. But then that's so I mean that's just so. What's weird about that is that what we know about Norm Macdonald kind of the what the lore tells us later even during that time is to say he's an excessive degenerate gambler exactly, <laughs> right and yeah. he will just gamble and then i think that they regis must have known that and i was like well hold on you're doing this for charity like he was trying to like, like wheel him back it. but yeah. like you know that his compulsive nature wanted him to go all the way and he would have worked out that way but it, it almost seems so counter that unsureness knowing what we know about literally every story that you've heard of any comedian in the last week or two about norm mcdonald has been like well yeah but he lost it like he just went to vegas and he lost it his i mean he he's talked about twice losing his entire life savings mm-hmm. to just gambling he isn't a gambling addict um but then he has that great joke i don't know where he told it first he's just like gambling it's an addiction i tell you but you know i'll tell you what it's the only, or it's a disease gambling's a disease but i'll tell you what it's the only disease where you can win a million dollars so that's pretty great but um but yeah like that's that was a, a big moment and then the other big moment around that time was when he got to go back and host saturday night live um after only a year and a half of being gone and his monologue is something that i i i memorized because it was just so funny because his whole thing was was just like i was i used to they i used to work here <laughs> and i got fired for for not being funny, and I would have a look. I'd have a hell of a lawsuit if that was any other job, but it's a comedy show, so they had me. <laughs> but then he said, "Like I haven't." It's like I just realized something. I haven't. It's like how you didn't realize. How have I gotten so funny in a year and a half? <laughs> like because a year and a half is not enough time for a dude to get funny. And he's like, then I realized something. I haven't gotten funnier. The show is just really bad, <laughs> <laughs> and people boo in the audience. I love it. It's so. <laughs> Amazing, and I just remember that. Uh, and then you know he does a great job the whole episode because he was also like pretty good at doing these impressions. And obviously, I mean the Turd Ferguson. Because yeah, I mean in high school, mm-hmm. we were able to, for a, like some variety show, 
that I was part of, we did like a bunch of kids ended up just doing, we were just going to do like SNL type skits for in between these music acts, stuff like that. And one of them was we were going to do Celebrity Jeopardy. And I was of course going to do like the turd Ferguson, Burt Reynolds thing. And I mean, I don't know if I just like wrote it out for them and like, well, this is what happens. Or if we were able to watch it because mm-hmm. like I knew, because I think the one we ended up doing was one, the one he hosted and I had it on tape, obviously. That's probably why. Probably. So that, cause I mean, so you're ripping off Norm. Well, that's what Norm. we did. I mean, we did it on, I mean, we did it in that way on it was just like little 30 sec just for the people and the uh the bands and stuff to to switch it out or whatever mm-hmm. so but yeah i remember that being a big uh deal too and then yeah i mean we'll talk about dirty work that was this movie that i oddly don't have a lot of memories of going to see but obviously did see it and then owned it on a vhs tape and then eventually a dvd i do remember going to his next movie which is called screwed I don't know what you'd have to look up the year. Is it 2000, 2001? I don't remember. And it's him and Dave Chappelle and Danny DeVito. <laughs> and it's the guys that like wrote the people versus Larry Flint. Cause he's in the people versus Larry Flint. And I was so excited about this movie. Cause I was 2000, like, yeah. Norm McDonald, Dave Chappelle. And you, and then you think like, Oh, this is going to be great. Like, how is this a miss? And that movie is just a movie that is so ill-suited for not only Norm Macdonald, but also Dave Chappelle. They feel so out of place. It just doesn't work. And mm-hmm. it's watchable because they're in it, but it's so weird. Like, mm-hmm. if people that think Dirty Work's a bad movie, I mean, they might have an argument, but it is nothing compared to Screwed. Gotcha. <laughs> um, it's not good. I remember going to see that and being like, well, that wasn't that wasn't good. <laughs> I mean, I know that. I was like, I'm going to defend it, and I'll watch it. I'll get the VHS tape, but it wasn't, like, the best thing he ever did. Um so, I don't know. Like, we could go on. We, You and I... I have a question for you. Yeah. Talk to me about Norm's problematic comedy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to get to that, because I think... Um, the reason I thought about it just yeah. now, in this moment, is I was looking over his, the kind of the jokes he was making during his millionaire mm-hmm. take. Yeah. And there's one where he's asked a question about a Broadway musical feature. Yeah. And his response is... I'm not gay, so well, I don't know. I'm not gay, so I don't know much about Broadway <laughs> yeah. musicals. So I, I, you know, this is good, and I will, I will relay this information from my. I listened to Conan's uh, podcast on this very subject because oh, okay. he would also go on the Conan show, and a long running gab would be to make fun of Andy Richter mm-hmm. for being a a Swedish. Uh, I don't know. He'd always insinuate that he was gay, right? Mm-hmm. And Andy Richter was talking about this on the podcast. It's like, well, it's like it was uncomfortable because it wasn't that I I cared about whatever i don't care about that but we like i know we have people on our staff who are gay and i just i didn't want to be doing that and they and they talked about that and and this really gets into kind of his podcast era norm mcdonald live Mm -hmm. because and that that's where i think it really comes into clear about uh, comes very clear about what he's doing Mm -hmm. um he norm mcdonald i i think the more you the, the more you move away from weekend update and the stuff that was actually like and still pretty edgy on on those things and problematic and all sorts of jokes that you couldn't tell on the show now, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least not without people getting upset about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was much harsher doing his stand-up and doing all the things that would come later, especially when he had his podcast that he could say whatever he wanted, right? Um, he really loved to just find wherever that line was and deliberately step over it. Mm-hmm. like, And that was what he did. He never... he, And what that's what all the comedians have talked about. He was absolutely fearless. He did not care... 
He never pandered is kind of the big thing that people say. Right. He did not care if the odd, if he thought something was funny, it didn't matter. Like he didn't care if the audience liked it. He just, he believed in what he wanted to put out there and he wanted to do. And so he would do it and he would deliberately say these things to disarm people and to upset them. I mean, even a couple of years ago, he got right when this, the Netflix show came on, this talk show, and this couldn't have come at a worse time for him, really. I mean, obviously now that we know it, he was sick this whole time too, which adds yeah. this whole other thing. Yeah. But he went on like Howard Stern. Howard Stern loves him. He had a big, I listened to his, I mean, I've listened to all this stuff this week. <laughs> Everybody's talking about him, but he went on and he used like the R word to talk about, um, something. And in, I think it was not that. I think it wasn't even Howard Stern, but then he went on there. And he's like, I don't, it's like, I wouldn't say that word. You got to think I'm R word if you thought I was going to use that word. I mean, he, he, even when he thought like it was, and nobody, I don't, by all accounts, nobody thought he was actually homophobic or anything like that, or any or any of the kind of off color jokes he mm-hmm. would tell. It was just the line that he just was like, "Well, no, this is the line that we we can we have this line and we we choose not to go up for it, but we like, but you can go over it if you're funny about it." And that's kind of the thing. Like he'd mm-hmm. always, when he overstepped, it was usually kind of funny, and you'd usually laugh. He'd be like, "Well, I laughed." I mean, the big thing of that is like when he did his podcasts in the two late two you know mid 2000s when he's been sick right um i mean he would write on the end of the episode each guest he'd have these jokes and blue cards and he'd have them read the jokes and he'd usually give the really really terrible very offensive jokes to the guests and they'd read them and they would be embarrassing i mean he'd just talk about a 9-11 joke and he'd just be like hey that that was a tragedy <laughs> like he would just like set them up and then just like laugh at this idea of like cross deliberately crossing that line so and I, I think I would recommend anybody who finds what he did problematic to listen to the Conans and Andy Richter talking about it and being like well I mean yeah I mean that was kind of what he did he I mean he was doing it on purpose mm-hmm. like he was doing it to disarm people he was doing it to prove that there was no line and that was kind of the thing. And he had just, and he, and he always knew that it was never anything. I mean, every story he told on Conan was not, none of them were ever true. Mm-hmm. And that's what Conan loved about it. He'd go on there. He had no idea what he was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in that podcast, he talks about the moth, the famous moth joke. Mm-hmm. Right. And the only reason that came up is that like they, he was only going to do one segment. And then last minute they told him like, Conan, cause like, Oh, can you do like, another, we'll have him do another segment. So we got to come up with something to do. He's like, I got it. <laughs> And he just told this joke, and it's an old joke, and he heard it actually from Colin Quinn, Mm -hmm. like the shortened version of the moth joke, right? Mm -hmm. And then he just turns it into this whole other lengthy thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, even his book goes into a lengthier version of it than even the one that's on the Conan clip, right? And he's the one who adds these uh, characters and all this, like, strife and turmoil going on. And I mean, that, that's he would just go on there to just, like, yeah, look... The, I can talk about literally anything. I can make up any story. I can go on and on and tell a goofy punchline at the end of it, and it's never not funny. Mm-hmm. And it and it it breaks any form. Any other comedian does that. It doesn't work. And that's what's so weird about it. Um, the other big one is obviously the roast of Bob Saget. He gets asked to do uh, this, ro- you know, the roasting thing at the, very popular at the time. They're vicious jokes that are very. I mean, talk about things that are in a, like, real, I mean, just really, really awful. Your, your whole goal is to just make awful comments about the the person and then also the other people on the panel, right? Mm-hmm. Norm MacDonald goes up there and, he, and he's literally reading jokes. I mean, it, these are jokes from the 1940s that he just decides to do. And everybody in the crowd doesn't have any, I mean, all the comedians on stage are just, they love it. They mm-hmm. love every second of it. Bob Saget thinks it's absolutely hysterical. And he said he wanted to do it because he's like, well, I don't want to 
be mean to them. They're basically like dad jokes. <laughs> yeah, they're horrible dad jokes. And they're like, you know, insults from the 40s. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're, they say you have a face of a flower. Yeah, cauliflower. <laughs> you know, like just horrible jokes, right? Yeah. And the crap, I mean... I think so. I think the, one of the things I listened to t- today or recently was like they even Comedy Central when they aired it, they added laughter into the crowd because the laugh the crowd was just like we had what no idea what he's doing. doing and it go and it went on for eight minutes, and the people on the stage are laughing it up. But and then now see it, it's like, and that's the thing. Like for me, it's weird to watch all this stuff because even when that came out, people were like, "What is this?" Or it always seemed like a niche thing, and then all of a sudden it just became apparent as this stuff kind of grew that like. There's a lot more of us out there that had this, like, that understood what he was doing or thought that it was funny. Appreciated it for and, sure. And now it's just been, I've been honestly shocked at, like, how much that's been out this. I knew that he was uh, loved by comedians, but it's more than Because what that. I will say about you is you don't like to like people, things, concepts, movies, books, anything that's popular. Yeah. As soon as it becomes popular, you're like, nah, my, it must not be worthy. I don't know. I like Marvel movies just I'm, fine. <laughs> do, just fine, though. Just, yeah, I like you had, them. You had to add that in. Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't know. So I, I think, like, Norm was like... Your thing where you're like, yeah, not a lot of people like appreciate Norm. Now you're like, what the fuck? People appreciate him? Well, it's we. I mean, I, I, it makes me feel really good actually. Yeah. Um, and then like the, again, I go back to this Conan thing. He, they talked about like they kind of wish was like we. I mean, I think we wish that we, if we, because he didn't tell anybody he was sick. Like literally anybody. I mean, I've found nobody that's even admitted to knowing that he was sick. Rob Schneider suspected something was wrong like two years ago. But based on something, he snooped into his uh, medicine, medicine cabinet. cabinet, but that's it, right? Um, no, nobody knew. And then, like, what they were talking about, I was like, I don't... I mean, see, I mean, it's sad that he didn't hear how beloved he was, but then they're like, he probably wouldn't have liked it. He would have been felt very uncomfortable with that um, adoration. Mm-hmm. That's probably true, because that's why he, you know, he'd push it away. And then the other thing that... Um, kind of a, a combination of this is like a... I... I, I when it comes to pop culture, there are two things that I feel like I've been really sad about this, this past week. And then the last thing was, was about, I don't know, five, six years ago when David Letterman stopped doing a show. And for me, he's obviously David Letterman's still alive. He does a Netflix thing. Right. But, um, I was just so upset when that show ended. Cause I was mm-hmm. just like, this is what I used to just watch. And even though I didn't want, I mean, we, I was a, at that point, we were having kids, and you know, we're, that we're not. I didn't have, you know, I wasn't watching it every night or anything like that. But it was like an end of a certain era for me, mm-hmm. and so to have Norm be like the last stand-up guest, not on the last episode, but like the one before his last show, was um, significant, especially to see like Norm Macdonald um, kind of break down at the end of it because he was so happy to be there for Letterman and very touched that he was asked to do this, right? And they were just. Uh, in that moment, you kind of realize, like, oh, okay, like, these two people that I just, you know, whatever. Adore. They're not mm-hmm. perfect people. I don't adore them for whatever. I just, for their comedy, I, they were just things that were important to me, right? Their pers- their persona, right? The material they made. And so it was very upsetting. And so now I have this, which is a weird combination. And they both converged on that one moment um, right before his show, uh, David Letterman's show ended. So it's weird. I don't know how to quite articulate it it just feels like uh i don't know a part of me is dead (laughs) (laughs) which is weird you know i don't know you don't feel like that when it comes to most people that you don't know the other thing we'll say is that we did um one of the great things that we got to do together um you know i found the picture it said 2010 but maybe it was 
even before that, maybe a little bit. Yeah, you know, like, okay, back in the day, yeah. before phones, yeah. your camera would date photos based on whatever date you set in that camera. Yeah. So, like, all the dates of all those camera pictures are all fucking, fucking off. So, who, he I came to our town to perform, and the first time he'd played our, where we lived, since at least I've ever known about, I could go see stand up comedy, right? And um, I try. I worked. I was working in a newspaper at the time. I tried very hard to get an interview that uh, did not happen. And then I was really upset because I heard him on like a radio program mm-hmm. locally. And I was like, "How the fuck did they get him? Mm-hmm. Like, who I call? Was I calling the wrong person? Like, I wanted to know like why. I mean, I know why, but um, I didn't get it. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Norm's good on a. Uh, you know, obviously that's a better uh, setup for whatever than some newspaper column. Whatever, that's fine. But anyway, we bought tickets to go see him, and we got there extremely early. Which is hard for us, because we're usually late to everything. Because it was like standing, you know, you, it was just whoever got there, you go in, and then you just, just you pick your seating. seat. Yeah. So we got there very early, and we got in the front row mm-hmm. to watch Norm McDonald. We had to sit through, an, I don't know, it was, like, <laughs> and it was so long waiting for... For the show to even start, and then there was like warm up comic after warm up comic. Most of them were like local people who weren't great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we got to see him perform, and I'm pretty sure what we saw him perform. If the timing works out. I think that that was the me doing stand up DVD release. It was not the Netflix mm-hmm. show uh, special he had a couple years ago. Different material, but um, obviously it was so hysterical. It was great, right? Um, and then he, I remember he said like, oh, yeah, good night. I was like, ah, I want to say, say hi, I'll be out there or whatever. But like, what was funny, he said that. I don't think he meant it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he waved this way and that was a door where we saw. <laughs> so you and I went right there because we're, we're like, just like, let's do this. Let's do it. And then like, he just pops open a door and he looks startled yep. that he's in the he's hallway like, ah. he's in. He's like, ah, ah there's people he's like, ah, there. there's people down there. But we were like, we went out the front door. Like yep. everybody else had gone out the other side door and they did not realize that he was out there. Yeah. So we, I, I mean, it's a blur. I, I'm sure I said that like, oh, I love you. Like this has just been, it's great to meet you. Blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. I'm not like I've met and I've interviewed just from my work. I've met, I'm not. Super, like, uh, I don't care. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, yeah, good for you, you know? <laughs> You're usually complimentary of, like, the set or the performance. Yeah, I don't or... want to overdo it. And I didn't, I don't think I overdid it then. I You're just. You're not like, I'm your greatest fan. No, I didn't say world, that. I said, like, oh, that was so really funny. Fun. You're the best. That's all I said. Mm-hmm. You're the best. I think I said, You're the best. And that was amazing, you know? As I can we get a picture? And we took a picture. And again, before smartphones, we yeah. had to, like, have someone else take the picture. We Or we use our phone. No. What did you the, use? It was that little Nikon Oh, my God, you camera. brought it, which is because yeah. you took other pictures, right? I took right? other pictures. Yeah. No, we had to have someone else take the picture. So someone else who had noticed that he was there. Yeah. And yeah. he said, sure. He was very nice. Um, he's very tall. We're in our winter jacket. It's very it's cold. It's like January. January. Um, and he's just, he's so much taller than both he's of us. He's a tall guy, yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll put it on our website. Um, but... And then I remember that he patted your head. <laughs> yeah. Yep, just right on top. It's like, oh, you guys are, uh, you know. Oh, look at you. He said something. And I was like, oh, my God, Norm MacDonald just patted my head. He patted your head. Like um, a child. Like, I'm a child. And then I think other people realized that what was going on. And we were like, okay, well, thank you. And there's there was another people that took the picture that wanted to get a picture. Yeah. But then, like, this mad rush of people. And that's when I think he was just like, well, I can't be out here with He's all like, these oh, other people. Fuck, where's the exit? And I think he was not he was being nice, but he didn't realize he was going to be, like, on the main corridor, yeah. you know I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. so and a lot of I mean, we've met a couple other people during things like that, and they kind of tend to want to like at least have five minutes where they're going to drink a water or something. Yeah, it was literally. <laughs> it was literally after he walked, walked off, off stage. stage. Yeah. 
So, but it was pretty um, special. Um, yeah, it was uh, it's a blur to me, but it was uh, something that I will always remember because it was great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool. That was a big moment for us. Mm-hmm. It was fun to share that with you. Um, yeah, because I feel like I don't. I've always. I'm glad that you you like the sitcom because I've always feel like when I'm showing you something of like a norm clip because this is what I would do. I would. I mean, I've probably shown you the. How many times have I just shown you the moth joke? Because I'm just feeling down, and oh, I just turn it on times. YouTube, yeah. and I just be like, "Let's just watch." I this. could about cite it now, yeah. Yeah, and there's other things too, but like those are things that I would always just just watch, and I would always have. And that's the thing, like even as little as last week, I before he died, I was re-listening to his Mark Maron interview from like 2000, and it's not even on Mark Maron's feed. Mm-hmm. It was on someone just put it on YouTube, and I was listening, and that's kind of a pain because you can't. I don't know on your phone. If I have a YouTube thing going on, it has to be, like, on the screen. Oh, hon. You paid for YouTube Premium. You need to just start logging into <laughs> I gotta log into your now. thing. Because it will keep playing now. So I can go... I could, The phone can be off. Yeah. And it will keep the audio going. So I would... Li- I you would, have to be premium to get so that. So I just... Bit. I still... I've always... I mean, even before a week ago, I was listening to that. I listened to episodes of the podcast that was kind of turned into the Netflix show for a season. But the podcast is longer. It was a video podcast he did on YouTube. And that stuff is just... I mean, him pushing the boundary of everything. And then even when he wrote the book he wrote, um, mm-hmm. based on truth, which I just turned on, I own the book, but now I, I used, I logged into your Audible account. Yes. <laughs> so I could listen to him reading it because I'd only read it myself. But that's like, he calls it a based on a true story, but, and it's a memoir, but it's not. It's mm-hmm. like this completely made Have up thing. Have you started listening to it yet? Yeah. How was. It's great. I mean, and I would, oh, I would recommend anybody. It's not remotely true. None of it is even... I mean, it, it's just... He wrote a novel mm-hmm. with him as a character mm-hmm. in it. And he's hooked on morphine. But it, it op- the weird thing about it is, it is the first introduction is like he, he, he writes about... He's in a hotel room. There's a blonde in his bed. He's hooked on morphine. And his agent calls and says like, oh, yeah, you're dead. And he, like, sure enough, he looks on Wikipedia. And his Wikipedia says like, Norm died of an over a morphine overdose or whatever on this thing. And it's just so weird to listen to that now because he... Because he is dead. Was very obviously... And when you think about when he wrote it, obviously, it makes so much sense now. Like, so much of what that book is just feels like this, like, rumination on death in a weird way. And so and so is his last stand-up a little bit. And when you get that information, you're just like, oh, man, this guy was wrestling with some shit. You know what I mean? Um, but it's brilliant. I mean, it's just... It's not like a gut-busting... Uh, comedic book but it's just something like just he was a brilliant mind that's how he mm-hmm. that's how he knew all the answers on uh mm-hmm. week on uh who wants to be a millionaire he was a smart dude one thing i enjoyed about norm was watching last comic standing yeah when he came back mm-hmm. to um judge it that one year mm-hmm. was with was that with roseanne mm-hmm. yeah he what was weird i remember because he um they i've I listened to Anthony Jeselnik, who hosted that season. He was on Howie Mandel's show when they learned that Norm died, and they were both distraught. And Anthony Jeselnik said, "Like, oh yeah, Norm, we Norm, like we, I adored Norm McDonald, but like mm-hmm. nobody knew what I was doing because Anthony Jeselnik is a very like he's a hard, he's an edge, edge very edgy comic, mm-hmm. and he's very he was insulting everybody in that panel, and no one was really kind of jiving with what. And he said it took us, it took me a little while to like jive with Norm because I would just be making fun of him and." And he, I think he kind of got it, and he eventually got, got it really well. But he also, like, there was a big segment. There was some comedian that recently came was online and said, like, she got into a big fight with Norm MacDonald on the show. 
I just Googled Norm MacDonald's comic standing. I'm seeing that story. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of it got cut out. And I, here's the thing. Like, Norm MacDonald was very much like this guy. I mean, he, he had conservative friends. I don't know if Norm MacDonald really cared. He really didn't like politics in jokes. He He thought that political humor was easy or not funny mm. in, in any respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would always critic. I mean, he, and he, I mean, he openly criticized, uh, everyone from Bill Maher to like, even Dennis Miller. I think he's made comments about, even though he's very good friends with Dennis Miller on the other side. And, mm-hmm. and all those guys, by the way, have just been, even Bill Maher was just like, I really liked Norm Macdonald and I know that he said shit about me, but like, that's just kind of, you know, that was just kind of what he believes in comedy. Right. But yeah, he, he had this fight with this, this woman but then, I guess recently, before he died, she's like, oh, yeah, Norm, I've actually had a few, several conversations with Norm McDonald now. Like, we're more than good now. He's very, and that's the story that keeps going around. Like, he, he cares very much about comedy, but, like, like, person to person, he was always very nice and, like, genuine with people. And I didn't, like, he was not making a, like, he ended up, I think he, like, actually reached out to her and all this other stuff. So, it's actually, yeah, if you follow that thread, it's a sweet story about, like, I'm sure she said more maybe since he's died, but. yeah. He, watching him judge that show demonstrated his understanding of comedy. Because yeah. it's like the feedback he would give would be very specific. Like, yeah. your joke is like 80% there. You need to do this and this to it. Yeah. You know, like very like... Which is weird because mm-hmm. he was so... No one else delivered jokes like him. Mm-mm. But he believed in a certain way of doing it. Mm-hmm. But like, but no one can actually do what he did. And like he tells... But he's obviously understands jokes. other jokes, right? He, does, yeah. he gets other comedy. And I will say that like he was he's fiercely loyal to I mean he was he interviewed Roseanne during quarantine last year after she's been run out of town, right, for mm-hmm. what happened with what she said. And he that was part of the Netflix show. I think that was he got the heat was like Louis C. K. all that shit happened. He's like, Well, Louis like Louis wrote the introduction to his book. They are friends or mm-hmm. were friends. And he the only thing he said was like I feel he he's a friend of mine. Roseanne's a friend of mine. I feel bad. And that's all he said, but like that got taken into this whole thing. But what I love about Norm Macdonald, he couldn't give a shit about. I mean, that, that's why he goes on Howard Stern and he apologizes, but he doesn't really and he knows exactly what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it just because it doesn't well, matter to him. Obviously, he not, he knows he's not a perfect person either, right? Oh, he's a degenerate gambler. Yeah, like, <laughs> like everybody's <laughs> got their own demons and their own fuck-ups in some way. I mean, that's all the, you know, that's so many of the stories of, of just like Norm being like so addicted to gambling that they, he would just be on these binges and lose so much money, right? And I remember watching, I mean, this is how much Norm McDonald stuff I watch. He like did poke, he like hosted like poker, he would do poker commentary on like a cable channel. And I heard about that. Like, I watched that. I don't <laughs> care about watching poker, but, yeah. uh, yeah, no. Anyway, it's uh, lots of stuff that over the years that are big Norm Macdonald things. But it's a uh, you know it's a big it was a big part of my life. Still is a big part. Of my life. Probably will continue to be a big part of my life. Yeah, there were a lot of years there where I had to be like, stop talking like Norm Macdonald. Yeah, no, that's the Find thing. Find your own voice, Tyler. And you'd be like, eh. it's a yeah. <laughs> well, and you know what? I've noticed this. I do. It's not just that. I've noticed when I. And it's it's a product of me mm-hmm. listening to stuff too much. Yep. I don't do it on purpose. <laughs> yep. Because if we go visit our family in the Midwest, I start talking like them. Yeah. Even though I've I don't noticed, have that. Yeah, even when we started this episode, I was like, you, he's doing it. He's he's doing the thing. I've been listening to so much yeah. of it. And it's just something that I do. Yeah. But now some things I've always just stuck now. Yeah. Like I don't say TV. I've Since I was introduced to Armadale, TV is just the TV. It's the TV. Mm-hmm. 
And then I, I often do a lot of enunciating, like, the wrong, like, the VCR, like, mm-hmm. things like that. That's all very Norm MacDonald stuff. And oddly Midwest stuff. It's uh-huh. all kind of tied together uh-huh. a little bit. And so if I'm around certain ca- – and I'm not, like, an impressionist at all. I never Ooh, attempted to be. Mm-mm. But I do pick up cadences, and, and, I, and then I'm just like, oh, I want to talk. Like, I want to talk like everybody here. I think it's just a feeling of wanting to be, like, uh, included. Yeah. Because I want to be included when I'm in with my with uh, my Midwest relatives, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I'm the outsider, mm-hmm. so I just want to. I can I can talk like you guys, don't you know? No, mm-hmm. I don't ever say don't you know, but yeah. Anyway, I was gonna make a nerd comment, but wrong podcast. It's sort of an ADHD thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a brain thing. You copy, it is. Yeah. You copy people who are around you. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, before we dump or drive into Dirty Work, which I don't know <laughs> if we watch Dirty Work, I don't know how much we have to say about it, but. Um, I don't know. It just, it was, a uh, Norm MacDonald is like a titan. It's like, even like my favorite actor is Samuel L. Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if like losing, Samuel L. Jackson's older, but I don't know if losing Samuel L. Jackson would do this. Because yeah. I don't live in that voice all the time, you know what I mean? So I don't think but it you would. you live in the Norm MacDonald voice? Well, because I just, you know, anytime, like especially this, you know, even this last year and a half, it's not been exactly like easy to pay attention to what's going on in the world Mm -hmm. and so you know i'd always find a way to like cheer myself up or do something that was positive and if i'm doing chores or doing something around the house like it's pretty easy to just find something in norms and either watch it or listen to it and just feel better and that was just uh something i've done for years i worry that if i need it now if i can do it without feeling really sad (laughs) that's gonna be the hard part like oh there's no more of this um, but no, I mean, I watched some stuff. It's still really funny. Like, I don't know. It you never, laugh and then you feel sad. It's never, God, I've seen him do the chairman of the board thing probably 400 times. I bet you I've seen it 400 times. It makes me laugh so hard every single time because it's just like, and it's Conan's reaction. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've seen, um, that's weird. Cause it, all this is listening to Conan. Cause you and I, we've not met Conan O'Brien, but we did see him when he did his tour which was also, like, just felt very... Conan O'Brien had a thing when he was fired from Tonight Show when he did this tour. It If you went to the tour, you felt like you were in this club of, yep. like, uh, we're the people that love Conan and get Conan, and the people that fucking pushed him out of the Tonight Show, we they don't know anything about anything, yep. and it felt like a club. And this, in a little way, in, in, in some way like that, when, when he's Norm died, you do feel like you're in a little bit of a club again. Like, mm-hmm. people, people I don't... People I know online just making comments about, like, oh, man, Norm was my favorite comedian. I'm just like, wow, I didn't know that. Like, you know, that's something that you and I have very much in common then. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe not to the extent that me I was, but, you know, who knows? Maybe they were. Maybe. So, and then I read these pieces by other writers, and I don't know. There's other people that largely feel the same way. And there's a lot of articles about, like, what he was as a com- comedian, and the Conan thing is just like, yeah, you know, I read these, and I'm like, it's not quite right. And that's kind of the feeling you have even I wrote a little piece about something and it's like, yeah, that's who he was, but that's not quite right. It's not quite what he what he is or what he was. And that's uh, I think that's what's maybe brilliant about him is that you can't quite put your pin uh, your finger on what it is, why it's brilliant. But anyway, and now he's dead. Now he's gone. It's sad. It is sad. Now, speaking of dirty work, man, uh-huh. this movie is kind of a bummer now because there's like a lot of dead people in it. 
<laughs> it's like a roll call. Of <laughs> kind of. Those who have passed. Yeah, it is a little bit. Um, do you remember when you for, was it when you were with me that you saw Dirty Work for the first so time? So let's do some high stats. Okay, high stats. High stats of Dirty Work. Dirty Work um, was released June 12, 1998. Okay. Okay, so we were like, uh, what, 15, 14, 15? Yep, right on that zone for me. It was directed by Bob Saget. Yep, that Bob Saget. Very good friend of Norm McDonald's. Full House's Bob Saget. Yep, it was written by Frank Sebastiano, Norm McDonald, and Fred Wolf. Yep. Now, I was curious about that. Can you click on Fred Wolf there? Yeah. I would love to know if that's Fred Wolf of, like, Fred Wolf Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Productions. Fred Wolf. I don't know says Fred Wolf. Because this is like loosely based off like a short story. film director, screenwriter, television writer, and former stand-up comedian. Okay, so probably not, but... He began his career performing uh, stand-up comedy. He joined the writing staff on SNL. Okay, and also served for several years as head writer. Not that Fred Wolf. Okay. So, yeah. And there's there's people like that sprinkled all over this movie. Jim Downey, who is kind of... The weekend, the weekend update that we know of Norm Macdonald is really Norm Macdonald and Jim Downey. They were the ones who kind of concocted this tone and voice, and he plays the one of the homeless guys in the movie. Back to Fred Wolf. He yeah. wrote Tommy Boy, Black okay. Sheep, Dirty Work, Joe Dirt. Uh, so he was one of those key Gr- uh, grown ups, grown ups too. Oh wow. Okay. Well, he know. I mean, he's that's that generation of uh, of um, all those guys: David Spade, mm-hmm. Chris Farley. Mm-hmm. 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 Adam Sandler, all those mm-hmm. guys. Okay, yep. so back to high stats. Yeah, we were talking about who? No, so Jim, like, so Fred Wolf was an SNL writer at the time. Jim Downey was his basically co-writer for Weekend Update, and he was is one of the homeless guys in the movie. Yes, yeah. This also stars uh, Jack Warden, Artie Lang. Yep. Trailer Howard. Trailer Howard is the lady that went to go on to be like the second monk lady. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a cool name. Yeah, Trailer. Yeah. yeah. Not but like, not trailer like trailer park trailer with a Y in the yeah, middle. That's yeah, that's right. Okay, I kind of mm-hmm. like that. Don Rickles. Yep. Christopher McDonald. Shooter. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shooter McGavin. Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Yeah. Very, being very Chevy Chase in the movie. The runtime of this movie <laughs> is like an is hour and twenty. Eighty-two minutes. Yeah, it's so short. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the budget was thirteen million. And it made ten. And it made ten. <laughs> yeah, it did not do well. Yeah, clearly, like many of these SNL movies, uh, it did not do well. Uh, it definitely did so, worse. But it, you know, it did. I will say, it did generate a little. It became kind of a cult movie later, okay. like a lot of the SNL movies ended up being. So. um... Let's do our What Do You Remember? Yeah. So this is the segment where we sit down, we write what we remember about the show before. You didn't write anything. I'm just... No, this this is what I told you. Oh, yeah. This is what I would have written. Yeah. Uh, Tyler made me watch Dirty Work. (laughs) I'm sure I did. (laughs) Early. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't watch it before that. No, I think I I was the one who... Because I had a VHS tape or a DVD at that point. Yeah. I think my parents must have watched him on SNL and David Letterman. Yeah. And then we watched the Norm show. But they didn't. They went. They your your parents weren't moviegoers. They were not moviegoers. So they weren't going to see it until later. Maybe they maybe would have rented it, but you know, probably not. No, I wrote. Um, you know, stacked with co- uh, cameos from comedy staples. Norm's leading man debut is barely a movie, but damn, it's decidedly Norm. That it is. Mm-hmm. The premise is dumb. Get money to help Artie Lang's dad get a surgery. Uh, Norm is also his secret son, so they get into the business of payback. Um, 
Yeah, so I I did see it in the theater. I don't have a what? specific memory other than did I know that movie even go to the theaters. Yeah, oh, the only thing I know it's like Screwed. It was I I can't say for sure. I know when I saw Screwed, I was the only person in the theater. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know about Dirty Work. I'm sure it was sparsely attended because you got to also remember where we live. It's not exactly the bastion of um, uh, liberalism or. <laughs> <laughs> of tolerance of uh, raunchy things, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't going to be necessarily popular where we lived. Um, but yeah, I remember, you know, obviously just being very happy with it because it is such a vehicle for Norm MacDonald. It, it, it is not... I mean, it's a movie that doesn't even really force him to act, mm-hmm. and that's very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, I mean, it's not... It's it's a it's a string of ideas and a string of scenes put together. <laughs> it's not, it's not so much a movie, I would say. Uh-huh. In, in a way that I think... Like Tommy Boy, with Farley and and um, Spade is a movie. Like yeah. and it, like it functions well as a story, right? Yep. Dirty Work is is not that. Uh, Dirty work, work is just like a high school project film, kind of. I mean, where they're like, we'll do this skit and then we'll do this skit and then we'll put it together and we'll make it a movie. It's you know, I would equate it to like a Night at the Roxbury, but uh, it's not a, a character from SNL, but it feels like one of those movies or a superstar or uh, sure. You know, whatever Chris Kattan was making at the time. Or... On the flip side, <laughs> yeah. I don't hate the premise of this movie. No, it's it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a it's a premise that makes no sense in that the second you do a job of payback, you're getting arrested, and they do get arrested. But it would be literally everything you do, you'd be in, you'd, you're a criminal. I do like like the the I actually like the character development of the Norm character. Okay, you do because <laughs> it's like here's this kid, and they show him as a kid, and take you don't want to take crap from anybody. Yeah, he's got this these principles. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that he's not going to take shit from anyone. And yeah. I like that. And I like how he, he loses himself in his 20s. Yeah. And, and, and just tries, has a thousand jobs and a bunch of failed he's relationships. A and a fuck up. And he finally re- connects back to that childhood calling. I kind of like that. So I forgot how much I love the first two minutes of this movie because... <laughs> There's nothing funnier to me than, like, that kid getting thrown in the dumpster. Because Norman yeah. Dolan gets thrown around in the, into a dumpster oh, and on the ground a lot in the movie. man is doing a lot yeah. of heavy lifting. Here. The funniest one, though, is the seeing this doll of a child getting chucked into a dumpster <laughs> from a bully. <laughs> uh-huh. But then I forgot, this is the thing I forgot, like, the way they get payback from this bully is, like, he asks Artie Lang's little kid version. He's like, hey, where does your dad keep his guns? <laughs> <laughs> And they go and stash these guns in this kid's desk and, like, gets him arrested. And you're just like, oh, my God. Like, that's some hardcore shit. That's like, dark, hardcore shit. I liked that. I yeah. thought that was funny. So funny. Um, like, that's good character development. Like, okay, yeah. you're just going to take shit from anybody. So, um, you know, it. they're adults now. Artie, so Ar- that's another – I listened to Artie Lang, obviously, since Storm's past. And you know, we know him from being on the Norm sitcom, too, mm-hmm. at the time. He was, he told the story, he's like, I owe my career to Norm MacDonald. I was, like, just fired from Mad TV because I was, like, caught with coke with the police or something like that. He was a coke fiend, right? Mm-hmm. And he went and did this audition for Saget and Norm, and um, they called him and they said, hey, you got the job. And he even said, just like, well, you guys know what happened in the news recently, right, with my cocaine? And just like, yeah, we don't, we're not worried about that. <laughs> like, we just no, wanted you. This is only going to take us two weeks to film. I don't know how long it took him to film, but yeah. Um, and then, you know, he would bring him back on to, he, I think he was the one who suggested him for the Howard Stern show, um, to have Artie Lang be a regular on that and then brought him on to the Norm sitcom and, you know, their paths have kind of diverged for a while now, but I mean, yeah, Artie Lang kind of openly speaks about, um, yeah. 
to the point where I think even Artie Lang kind of had, I, you know, he's, I think he's still pretty popular, I think, but at a time where he was really popular, even when we saw Norm MacDonald live, someone even hollered out like, Artie, talk about Artie! <laughs> like, they, people wanted to hear about Artie Lang and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I don't know if he mentioned anything at all, but um, but yeah, like, so it, they've been a comedic pairing for a while. I don't know how much I love Artie. I mean, he's fine. He's just like this manic energy, I guess, but um, he's like a schlub. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, and that's how he was. It's the same character that he ends up playing on the sitcom, too, right? Yeah. Just yeah. a schlubby, that's fine. like, yeah. degenerate brother. I like how Lori Metcalf always just talked about how awful, like, just disgusting he was. That was mostly yeah. my favorite part She's of that. She's funny lady. Well, Lori Metcalf, and that's the thing. I We have the, the DVD, and I, I think now... What we what we've seen Laurie Metcalf do in recent years, we might just even go back and I mean she was always great on Roseanne and stuff too, but she's great. I think she was kind of a glue of that show in a lot of ways. So yep. Um, so yeah, I like the start of the movie. I yeah. like the premise. I like the character <laughs> development. Yeah. I mean, but it's you know it's it's strung together with string. <laughs> but uh, it's fine. I like Jack Warden, who is this old. He's Artie Lang's dad, and he. I mean, this movie, this movie's idea of characters is just like, he's an old man who just watches w- women exercise on TV and making really horrible sexist comments about it. Okay, but uh, it, it, okay. Yeah. So the joke about that, <laughs> right? So the old man's sitting in a recliner and he's basically watching like a Jane Fonda. Yeah. Only, obviously, the version they put in the movie is a, is a little more a little hyped up. Heightened, yeah. But I mean, there was a time, yeah. um, growing up in the 90s, yeah. where like, <laughs> like the hottest thing you could get was these workout videos. Yeah. Right? They were Butts. like they're like people in tight clothes yeah. moving their bodies. Yeah. Like I mean, there was there was a joke there. There's a joke because yeah. it was based in a little bit of reality. I I do like how he he pulls Artie aside. Norm Macdonald pulls him aside. Artie aside and just says like I don't want to go sit with him. He freaks me out or whatever. He, he's a creepy old he's man. A creepy old man. And he goes over there and he like. Headbutt. He's like, you think I'm tired of hearing like a head like holds him in a headlock? He's like, I fucking hurt he's you. He's so aggressive with him the whole time. Grabs his nuts later. Oh my god. <laughs> it's just, uh, I mean, in the basic premise is he has a heart attack. Um, the old man does. He needs money to do well. The, the reason they need money is Chevy Chase. He says he needs a heart transplant. Chevy Chase is the degenerate gambler. Mm-hmm. Clearly, a character that Norm Macdonald knows well. Mm-hmm. Um, and will bump him up on the heart transplant list for fifty thousand dollars. Give him fifty thousand dollars to get him out of trouble with his bookie. And this is a. I've never really like. I, I think watching Community in between, maybe the last time I've watched Dirty Work and now has given me more even I mean I've liked Chevy Chase as as Clark Griswold and things and many of the things he did right mm-hmm. but like after watching Community and kind of watching what he does on Community f- for his run you definitely get a cuz it's a lot of content you get a sense of what Chevy Chase does and he's doing it in this movie it's just like he's kind of got a little he's got a little glint in his eye and he's doing his own thing <laughs> and he doesn't really like there's clearly something written he's just like I'm going to do it how I do it mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. And he's only in, like, three scenes, but it's just, it's all pleasant. His is definitely, like, asshole humor. Very much so. Yeah, it's funny, though. And by all accounts, he might just be an asshole in real life, sounds like, maybe. But he knows how to play it funny. He does. Um, But I I, I appreciate him in the movie, and I'm glad he's there, um, kind of playing this part. he's silly, too. He's very it's silly. It's like this silly asshole combo. It's all, and there's a lot of physical things that he does, and there's just like, there's a, I, I, when we watched it, there's a thing, his last scene is like at the opera house, and he just is like, 
he gets this check. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll go give him to a bookie. He's like, maybe I can go down to the racetrack. And like, he's like, no, 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 just go straight to your bookie. And he like does this little smile before he closes the um, the curtain. And I just uh-huh. love that smile. It's yeah. just very Chevy Chase. And yeah. I, I love that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the thing about dirty work is that if something doesn't work for you, <laughs> they're moving on to something else in another minute. And there's another cameo or another thing. Kind of the other magic of this was um, Chris Farley is in the movie. Yes, when I saw him, I was like, "Oh, Chris Farley!" And he's not like Adam Sandler's in the movie too, but for a scene, like in a one true line cameo showing of like five seconds. Chris Farley is probably like if you counted, if he was billed, he's uncredited. He'd probably be like fifth billed. Like he's in four or five scenes. Yeah, and he's very funny in all of them. Mm-hmm. He's playing a just a friend of theirs who had his nose bit off and by he's a very Chris Farley. His, he's bringing the Chris amped. Farley energy and ampness and, like, style. And it's weird that, like, this movie bombed on top. I mean, he's in the... Even the TV spot shows him, but he went uncredited in the movie, and a lot of people largely credit that Almost Heroes movie, the Western thing he made with Matthew Perry as his final role. This is technically his final role. It came Mm -hmm. out last. Uh, I'm sure they tried to market it with him in it, but also maybe maybe it felt a little off-color to do that, maybe. I don't know, but... um, I mean, he's a a force of energy in the movie. Mm -hmm. He's very funny. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, the cold gag with him is that his nose got bit off, but... Uh, By a... S- yeah. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. It's great. Um, <laughs> that's just where she's from. It's not saying anything derogative. You uh, understand? Yeah. It's where she's from. It's her origin... Stop Asian American hate. Okay. Cameo appearances in this movie include Don Rickles. Yeah, he's credited, but he's in the scene, and he's the... Well, I'll talk about that scene separately, but he's, like, the manager at the... Before they try to, like, do this dirty work business... They take random jobs, and one of them is at this movie theater, and Don Rickles is in the movie. Basically, he has no... There was no scripted lines for Don Rickles. He came in, and they're just like, hey, Don, just do some insult comedy at the two main characters, and that'll be your scene. And and that's what he does. Mostly fat jokes at Artie Lang. And a lot of that seems weird now, but, like... If you if you watch talk shows like I did, and you know before, I mean Don Rickles did this for fifty years. Like this, just, that is just he just showed up and he Don Rickles. That's thing. just Don Rickles. That's mm-hmm. what he did. He just make fun of everybody, and that's just who he was. And that's it, that's what mm-hmm. it is in the scene. Um, so yeah, he's credited as a mm-hmm. as a cast member, but he's only in a scene. Really, well, this is under cameo appearances, though. Yeah, uh, Rebecca Romaine. She is the bearded lady for a scene. <laughs> Who gets her dirty work by, uh... They shave off her beard. Shave off her beard. Can't be all. She's not bearded anymore. John Goodman is Mayor <laughs> Adrian Riggins. That one's very weird. He, he, it's, like, one line. He's at the opera, and he's just like, thank you. And now, Don Giovanni. And that's it. And yeah. it's like, see you later, John Goodman. Yeah. Um, Adam Sandler as Satan. Yeah, he has a one line where he just goes, we cook the pig, and then we burn. Burn. Very Adam Sandler voice at the time. Mm-hmm. I did read a thing that they had wanted Howard Stern. Oh, really? But that he turned, you know. Yeah, he wasn't really, yeah. Gary Coleman. Gary Coleman is in those devil... That's because he eats these cookies, see, and there's a lot of side effects. He's trying to make money. Yeah. So they do these research uh, brownies. Already feels a slight, slight twitch, but Norm MacDonald... Stuff in his mouth full. Norm MacDonald says a nibble. I don't know how much I love, like, the cut to Adam Sandler. That's pretty silly stuff, but... Um, I do like the the scene in the car where it's just a close of Artie Lang, and he's like, I think I feel a twitch. And then it pans over to Norm MacDonald, and he's just red in the face, shaking. He's got, like, boils all over his face. What I love about Norm MacDonald, like, he's not a good actor. This movie proves it, right? Yeah, 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 but yeah. there are certain things that he does brilliantly, and mm-hmm. it's very funny. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly just, like, this, like, surprise. Ugh. Or, like, like when the guy takes his shirt off, he goes, ah! <laughs> and, he, and there's also times where he, he jumps, 
the way he jumps and like screams and feels uncomfortable is very like funny. Yeah. Like it, ne- it's never not funny to see him jump or feel like he's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and that's what he's good at. And it's not acting per se, but it it works in the movie. Mm-hmm. Who's Ken Norton? I don't know. Now you're getting into other people. There's a lot of comedians and writers that are David Kett. Ket- David Kettner, you know from uh, you know he's Todd Packer. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Anchorman, he's the car salesman. And probably the movie's best scene, I would say, is the car sales scene when he does this. So they're doing this thing in a movie. I think only really happens in a movie where there's someone at a car lot doing a live commercial. Yes, a live Maybe this is something they did commercial. in the 90s more. I think so, maybe. Like, we're down here at the... No, the radio shows do it still. Like, mm-hmm. you go on radio, like, hey, we're down at the mall, and we're here till 5, and come yep. see us. So that's kind of a live spot. This is a TV version. And uh, because the love interest trailer Howard uh, works there, he wants to do like he realizes he can get an ad in for dirty work, mm-hmm. and so he puts a bunch of hookers in the back of the car. And I just love this setup where he just goes like, "Hey, that trunk seems a little bit small." He's like, "This is live. <laughs> this is live." It's like, "No, I mean it's open." Like, yeah. He's like, "Hey, this is a there's a dead hooker in this <laughs> in this car." <laughs> and I love the extension of that because he opens up all the doors. Artie Lang starts pushing them all open. Yeah, and. And it's just like, I, there's, there's, there's two things that, there's two great exchanges that are great. First one is like, I've never seen so many dead hookers in my life. And it cuts this random guy goes, Lord knows I have. <laughs> so funny. But then the other one is like, um, David Kettner is just like, I don't, this is, this is some kind of prank. This is like, these cars are great. These cars come fully loaded. And Norm MacDonald mm-hmm. just goes, these cars are loaded with dead hookers. <laughs> Love it. Very, Very funny. funny. Yeah. Oh, we have Jim Downey and Fred Wolf as the as the homeless guys. So that's my other my other um, favorite bit of this movie. This is one that I don't think you appreciate quite as much as I do. But um, and it, they do it. The problem is they do it twice, and yeah. the second time is not not as funny. But the first time is like the homeless guy is just like they've told him to just run around. I like two bits of it. Yep. They told him to run. He's like, hey, will you guys go act run? Hey, homeless guys, will you go in there and run around and act crazy so we can get into the office? For a dollar? I was like, yeah, you need to get some other kind of homeless guys. Like, yeah, I think you're looking for, like, the crazy homeless guys. We're more, like, the sad and depressed. Yeah. So then he goes, okay, how about for $2? <laughs> Cut to. <laughs> then I'm doing, doing it. it. So then, like, after that scene, they're out there, and he just, like, says, I felt, like, one of the, the homeless guys just gone, that's the first, first time I felt alive in a long time, and just goes into this depressing monologue about his life. He's like, I had my parents, like, people didn't even look at me. They didn't know who I was. And at one point, I looked at my kid, and I saw myself, and I said, I realized, and then Norm MacDonald just throws some dollars in his hands and interrupts and goes, here's your two dollars, <laughs> and just interrupts that. I love uh-huh. it. They do it again, and it's not as funny, but... Um, it's still funny. That one is very funny. Kevin Farley is uh, in the movie. So let's talk about that scene. So this is... Um, I I don't think is... I think, in hindsight, might be the most problematic scene in the movie, just because of the subject matter and what happens... But if you think about it, maybe not. So Kevin Farley is there at the a movie theater where they're feeling bad. Don Rickles is being abusive, and they're like, oh, we're going to get back at him. We're going to pay it back, right? So the strategy, and Kevin Farley is there. You'll recognize him. He looks like Chris Farley, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and so their their strategy is, is that Norman Artie, uh, they have the, Don Rickles has like the national office coming down to check out the theater. And so they go up there, and it's supposed to be Men in Black, and they switch the reels to a movie called Men in Black who like to have sex with each other. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so there's, you know, like everything in the 90s, there's some homophobic jokes here a little bit. Like mostly just like, oh, 
already looking at the screen and then he goes because norm mcdonald the whole time is doing his video audio tape thing and he goes note to self mm-hmm. and they're both covering their eyes because they don't want to see the the gay porn i guess is the is the comment but he goes note to self already looked or whatever i don't know his name what's his name in the movie I, who cares his name is already but anyway um the joke being that like everybody runs out of theater in horror um from watching this porno and i think that seems homophobic but really it's a movie where they're showing a PG-13 movie. I guess any pornography might cause uh, people to run out of the theater. Um, what I will say is that regardless of whether you think it's homophobic, uh, it might be, but there is very good... <laughs> the movie. You don't see any images from this movie Mm-mm. that they play, but they do have this amazing line of dialogue where these two... <laughs> it's just like these the two guys who are men in black is like, hey, look, that alien looks like a hot guy. And the other guy goes, yeah, I guess we better have sex with it. <laughs> It's something that I've said a lot over my years because <laughs> it's mm-hmm. very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Oh, the other I guess problematic one is the uh, prison rape. I feel like that one was more <laughs> problematic. It okay, but again, I will slightly defend it in that it's well, the movie one's depicting consensual. It's a movie. It's like consensual sex, whatever. And it's bad. They don't want it. To, you know, they're yeah. yeah. And showing something that's X-rated in a movie theater would prompt people to run away. Yeah. That seems all within... And this is not prison. This, they're just in a jail. They're just in a jail. <laughs> and then it just takes... And so then, like... Yeah. But what's weird about it, because it's PG-13, they're, like, not saying it out loud. They're like, hey, I'm... Wor-, like, what are you worried about? Calm down. It's like, don't you know what happens in prison? And he whispers in his ear. Mm-hmm. And then, like, these guys come over and just take Norm away. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the implication is, is that well, he's then he been comes raped. back with his ha- pants half Yeah. But see, and it's it's bad, right? But like, you know, I guess, you know, people are worried about getting like uh, assaulted in prison, I guess, too. I mean, that's a real thing. But like the homosexuality of it is a little bit like they're pushing that boundary yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah. But what I will say again is that the delivery of the scene by Norm Macdonald is very good and he just goes ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, you know what? You know what? You know what hurts the most? Well, no, other than the the other thing is a lack of respect. <laughs> That's Ridiculous. Number two and number one. <laughs> it's a funny delivery. And that goes back to this, um, what we were talking about earlier, about like Norm MacDonald crossing a line on purpose and doing it is like, well, if it's funny, you could tend to get away with it a little bit more. And I think that that scene is kind of funny still. And so it's just like, if you think like, well, that's problematic. Probably wouldn't do that in a movie nowadays. But uh, it's still funny right now. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, I don't know. What else about Dirty Work struck you as that, anything? That's about it. Christopher McDonald is the uh, villain, like he is in Happy McGilmore. Shooter McGavin. <laughs> he, the big, <laughs> the one thing I like about that is, um, this, this, this is a side comment where he's always holding this little dog, and so Norman Artie <laughs> are just like, I think he's got his thumb up that dog's ass. He's like, oh, but definitely doing that dog. Like, he's it's just, doing that dog. <laughs> like, this is the stuff that they are just decided that it should be in the movie. The other, I think, great scene is when they're putting the fish in that mansion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're doing a job. They're doing a job. They're making this this noisy house. They're trying to give it payback. So they're putting all these dead fish in the house, right? So when people have to not be in the house, then they won't be noisy. Yeah. So they they these people come home. They So Norman already go and hide in a room, and they're holding fish in their hands. Mm-hmm. And it, they show a beginning part of this, and there's like a drug deal going on. And like, what's that smell? It's like, it smells like fish in here. 
It's like, is that a code? Is that code, code for... You got a fucking wire, you fucking cop? It's like, no. And then it cuts to Norman Artie when they begin opening fire on each other and they're shooting each other. And their look of... It doesn't show anything, just Artie and Norm. And it, it, the look of horror on their face is hysterical. And, like, just the, the extent that the scene goes on <laughs> is incredible. <laughs> and it reminds me of something that's a very funny movie that came out a couple of years ago. Same kind of deal. But um, the best part is just like, hey, you got that chainsaw that I use to trim things. What do you do? Oh, it's like, oh, now he took the chainsaw and now he's using it on me. <laughs> and you just hear all these things going on and they have this horrible face. And then they like walk through. You see that they walk through a bloody thing. It's so funny. You don't see it. You no. hear it. Yeah, you hear them sliding around. And they're like stuff. sliding around. <laughs> they use a grenade. It's like, now he's got a gr- hand grenade and explosion, right? And... um it's so funny. It's still so funny. And it reminds me, like, so Popstar, the Lonely Island movie that came out a couple of years ago, has an incredible scene where the camera, it's a video, you know, a documentary. The camera goes off when they're getting attacked by bees. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it's him and Tim Meadows, like, using, like, various weapons to stop these bees. And it just goes on and on with no visuals. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. And it is it is very much an echo of the scene mm-hmm. in Dirty Work. Totally. Which I, I love. So, um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's not a movie. <laughs> it's it's barely a movie, right? I like it. It gets in, it gets out. The romance is so just it's not shoehorned romance. in. Yeah, it's nothing, man. Like, oh, she likes him, but, like, why? It's horrible. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's, like, a four-minute scene where, like, Artie's like, you like her, and he's like, what? No. No. That's another good Norm MacDonald delivery. <laughs> he's like, no. Like, I'll, I'll try something with you. You, uh... You were just reciting the movie. Just watch it. But uh, he's like, oh, have you ever been to the moon? No. Or you haven't done this? No. It's like, did you ever tell me once that you could see why people find Sean Connery sexy? No. <laughs> and then there's a great quick gag it's later so where he sees a, where he sees a, a from Russia with love, with love poster, uh, Sean Connery, and he like picks it up and rolls it up to bring it home. <laughs> yep. Yep. I love it. It's just such a random little ec- extra thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, is there like problematic '90s humor in it? Yep. Um, is it still pretty funny? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still really is funny. Is Bob Saget a good director? N- no. He made like what did he make? I think he made March of the Penguins, and that's it, right? No. Not March of the Penguins. The the fart, the fake one, the the the, the documentary joke one of Farce of the Penguins or whatever. I feel like he directed that. And then he directed, like, a comedian's documentary or something like that, right? Mm, I'm going to have to look it up. No, I don't think he's a good director. I mean, I, I like Bob Saget. I but, do a lot, but, yeah, the movie's not But it's not, like, made, made in a spectacular way, no. Filmography. Farce of the Penguins, he directed that, right? Oh, is that the one you think? Yeah, it's called Farce of the Penguins. Uh, dirty Work? Yeah. Oh, he did one episode of Norm. Sure, that makes sense. Norm show. The Mind of the Mare... Oh, an episode. Yeah, Farce oh. of the Penguins. Benjamin, 2019. What is that? that is. I don't know. That's it. That's it? Much. No other TV either, yeah? Yeah. I mean, he's a writer stand-up, and he was doing that Fuller House and stuff, too, but... um, Which I'm surprised he never directed any of those, since he appeared in... I mean, that, he wasn't, like, a regular on the yeah, reboot, no. but he was on it a lot, so... Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no, it's always this weird... I mean, I think people now are far more... They understand Bob Saget as this, like, because he go he's tours and people know him now. But even at the time when this came out, they're like, Bob Saget, like, 
directed the Norm Macdonald movie? That's so weird. Like, because he was so still weird. just like the Full House guy at that. point. I mean, people. I mean, nationally, right? I mean, that was kind of the and point. America's Funniest Home Videos, like right? That. But I mean, anybody that saw him do his stand up, he was very. I mean, he was a pretty raunchy comedian, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. and I think like people really realize that is it like the Aristocats Kratz like documentary where they all tell the same joke. That yeah. dirty joke. I think Bob Saget told like told the dirtiest version of that yeah. on the. Yeah. Anyway. So. Yeah, dirty work. I. I mean, if you're looking for Norm content, I mean, it's definitely like the movie to watch. I suppose yeah. he's good in Billy Madison too, but he's it's not a very big part. No. <laughs> um, All right. Well, this episode is officially longer than the movie was. <laughs> of course it was. The movie's not very long. We spent a lot of time talking about other stuff. I feel like we only scratched the surface of like all the things that I thought... I, well, I mean, we could talk about all his best things, but, I mean, you could find a lot of that. But I would recommend finding his podcast, all those episodes of having... Because he had a lot of big names on that. Um, all of the Minute with Stan Hooper show that he did, that other sitcom, or I found that was on YouTube. I mm-hmm. haven't watched it yet before they get taken down. But that was a show where he played the straight man in the show. He wasn't funny at all. And then they had, like, these weird characters around him, including Fred Willard was on the show. Mm. And it was on Fox, and it was on when we were in college. Mm. And I don't know, we never... Oh, I was... There was... I think it was a channel... I think that channel wouldn't come in over antenna ears very well. Yeah, that was the transition to, like, the digital antenna ears. We had free cable somewhere, Mm -hmm. um, but for... I think it must have been after that, the year after that. no DVR. No, and we... I think we didn't even... I would have watched it on TV. I think we watched a few, but, like... It was hard to watch, and it did so yeah. poorly, it didn't even last the season or whatever, so. Um, yeah, no. The stand-up that he put on DVD is great. If you can hunt down the sitcom, the Norm sitcom, I think, is still very funny all mm-hmm. the way through. Even the third, the third... I mean, it's all pretty good. Like, it, they, you could tell they were trying to tinker with it in its third season to kind of soften it a little bit, but I didn't, which I didn't love, but it was... I mean, it's hard to soften that character. Mm-hmm. So it's still good. Um I discovered that his sports show that he had, it was going to be like that Daily Show thing, only lasts a season on Comedy Central that you can buy on Amazon Prime for like 15 bucks anywhere else, though. It might be kind of dated jokes, but I don't know. Yeah. You can never find those. Yeah. And then the Norm MacDonald had a show, is on Netflix. That's great to watch. Um, those assholes should have uh, renewed that and let him do more of it. But Maybe he didn't want to. I think he definitely wanted to. There was he just wasn't no feeling well. It was just like this thing where net like Netflix does. Maybe he wasn't feeling well. The head of Netflix comes out. I was like, Norm made me laugh more than anybody else. Blah blah blah. I was so great to grateful to work with him or whatever. And I was like, Hey asshole, maybe fucking renew the show then you because they I it is on their front page all over the place. I have never like you had to hunt for that shit before. Even when it came out that week because. He had a couple not great interviews. I feel like they buried it on purpose a little bit. Weird, yeah. And, yeah, they kind of like... It's just like one of a thousand different shows that Netflix has just burned on. Because it's just like, we just want content. And now it's all over the place and whatever. He had a stand-up special on there, too, which was very funny. But Hitler's Dog is what that's called. Very good. I don't know. Norm's great. I'm going to miss him. R.I.P. Yep. That's it. Note to self. I don't know. That you're not as smart as you thought you were in the first